Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Starter, Season 3 of the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Starter is also available as an ebook and as an ad free, unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash the starter. Preseason, Week 3. An excerpt from Species Biology and Football, written by Cho Ah Huity. Quith Warriors and Football, a star-studded cast. The Quith have one of the galaxy's most unusual life cycles. Along with the Li Qi, the Quith are the only known sequential hermaphrodites to achieve sentience, although the Li Qi reproductive cycle involves multiple species and is far more complex. Quith are all born male. At a certain age and under the right conditions, Quith leaders change their sex and become female, capable of producing egg sacs. It is those egg sacs that give the Quith their unique caste system. The egg sac is a soft, spherical membrane, usually about 23 to 25 centimeters in diameter. That is about the same size as a regulation basketball or soccer ball. A sac usually contains anywhere from four to eight small eggs. Every egg contains a quith leader larvae. It is only after hatching that the caste system manifests. Larvae hatch from eggs, then remain in the sac for about four weeks. In an interesting bout of parallel evolution with humans, quith have a pair of testes. The first larva to eat its way out of the egg is blind, yet is capable of swimming within the sac fluid and navigating via a sense of smell. As his brothers come out of their eggs, this firstborn instinctively establishes his dominance. He does this in two ways. First with a physical attack, and then with chemical warfare. For the physical attack, the firstborn cuts off the testes of half of his sackmates. These castrated quith grow to become the warrior caste. Quith warriors are much larger than the leaders. On average, warriors are over twice as tall and weigh six times as much. This growth rate is actually a form of gigantism that is naturally controlled by a regulatory hormone produced in the quith's testes. The firstborn allows half of his brothers to keep their testes, but bombards them with a hormone that permanently alters their brain structure, making them docile. The quith affected by this hormone become the workers. Fascinatingly, the docility hormone only becomes active when it mixes with the growth control hormone, which is prevalent in workers, because they still have their testes. Hence, the hormone has no effect on the castrated warriors. Quith larvae stay in the sac for two to four months after hatching from the eggs. About a day or two before the brood exits the sac, the single leader finishes the job and castrates the workers. As the brood enters the world for the first time, there is only one individual capable of eventually breeding. Hormonal control continues through childhood, into adolescence, and then adulthood. Warriors naturally imprint on their leader brother, but can switch allegiance to another leader. Sometimes this is a conscious decision, but often it is due to circumstances of proximity, overcrowding, or mandatory military service. 
warriors naturally desire to follow a leader. Evolutionarily speaking, the reason is simple. The warrior cannot reproduce, so if his genetic line is to survive, he must ensure that his leader brother breeds. Modern quith civilization has hijacked this instinct. The same imprinting tendency results in warriors following military officers, employers, criminals, community organizers, and yes, sports coaches and team owners. While workers become docile followers, warriors retain high levels of natural aggression. Contact sports, both lethal and non-lethal, provide a critical outlet for those urges. When you combine a warrior's size, strength, speed, and natural aggression with their innate desire to follow, it is no surprise that they make excellent soldiers and athletes. Massal the Efficient led Quentin and Don Pine down the touchback's corridors toward the practice field. Media day had arrived. So, Don said, not to treat you like you're an idiot or anything, Q, but how about you go over my rules? Quentin sighed. Sometimes, Don walked a fine line between being a source of invaluable wisdom and an annoying nag. Think before I talk, Quentin said. Don't rush my answers. A pause actually makes me look smarter, more introspective. Uh-huh, Don said. And when you do answer, what do you not say? Anything bad about my teammates or the franchise, and nothing that could be locker room fodder for our opposition. Good, Don said. And what can we say about the opposition? That we are excited to play them, Quentin said. Whatever team the reporters are asking about, I say that the team is a quality organization that has a lot of threats. I and Ath will practice and prepare, then play as hard as we can on the field. Don's wide smile showed white teeth that blazed from between his blue lips. Nice, Q, nice. Just remember the think-before-you-talk part. You're not so good at that. Thanks. Don shrugged. This isn't the time for me to beat around the bush. If you get flustered, just take a breath. It's a bit of a zoo out there. Whatever, Quentin said. How bad can it be? They're just reporters. They turned a corner into the tunnel that led to the practice field. It can get bad, Don said. Just trust me on that. And if it gets too bad, Masal will step in and bail you out. Right, Masal? Absolutely, Mr. Pine. You couldn't be more correct. I will stay near Elder Barnes every moment and offer assistance if needed, although I'm confident Elder Barnes will exceed everyone's expectations. Thanks, Quentin said. And then the three of them walked onto the practice field, where Quentin saw something he'd never seen before. Sentience other than his teammates or coaches out on the turf. Dozens of them. Maybe hundreds. Many were from the species that made up the GFL. Humans with their skin tones of tan pink, brown, black, bleach white, blue. Heavy G, with their shades of light brown and tan pink. Scalorno females covered head to toe in robes of more shades and colors than Quentin could count. Multi-legged key, dressed in the fine clothes so common to that culture's non-combatants. Quith leaders, their fur a myriad collection of shades and striped patterns. Floating hurrah that ranged from the utterly smooth skin of young adults to the bony, scaled skin of the elders. 
And there were also Kretorakian civilians dressed in their crazy, harlequin-esque suits of every horrible, color-clashing pattern you could imagine. The civvy bats circled around the heads of the Kraken's players. Quentin shuddered. He reminded himself to move slowly, to be respectful. Even though these were civilians, where there were bats, there were entropic rifles. And a new creature, Lee Key, the amphibious sentience that made up a big part of the Tower Republic's population. Quentin had seen them swimming in the aquatic centers of Ionath City, and in his one visit to Hudson Bay Station, but never out of the water. Hunched over bipeds built low to the ground, the small Lee Key had long, vertically flat tails. The line of that tail continued onto their back as a ridge of small spikes ending at the creature's pointy head. The Lee Key all had bright blue skin marked with wide black stripes. The stripes were thick at the spiky back ridge, tapering to points on the sentient smooth sides. Lee Key bodies looked streamlined and muscular. The small yellow eye dotted either side of the pointy head. A hand on his shoulder. Kid, Don said. You all right? Quentin looked at Don's blue face, then back to the circus out in the practice field. I don't know, man. This has nothing to do with football. I think I'll skip it. Can't, Don said. League requirement. Trust me, you don't want to get on the wrong side of Commissioner Frost. And this has everything to do with football. The media covers what we do in the GFL. That coverage is for the fans. Fans watch the broadcast, and that brings in advertising revenue. Fans buy jerseys, memorabilia, team clothes, just about any kind of crap you can imagine as long as it has a team logo. Fans buy tickets and pack the stadiums every Sunday. Know what you and I do for a living if not for those fans? Quentin shook his head. Well, I don't know either, Don said. But it sure wouldn't be football, and I'm sure I wouldn't like it. Without fans, and therefore, without the media, we would be universe-class athletes playing on some stone-filled field, practicing with a club team after we get out of work. What jobs have you had before football? I worked in the mines, Quentin said. Only job I ever had. Oh, right. Well, without the fans, you're still working in the mines, Q. This is media day. In Tier 2, every football fan on Ionath wanted to know more about you. Now you're in Tier 1, and every football fan in the galaxy wants to know more. Media scrutiny is part of the job you fought for, my friend. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Quentin looked out at the collection of reporters circling around his orange and black clad teammates. It looked like a feeding frenzy, like Gifflerfish ripping apart Brimler ants that fell into the steep walled quarry lakes back on McCovey. Hundreds of reporters, so many body shapes, colors, and floating holo cameras. Uh, maybe you can do it with me, Quentin said. You know, just for the first time out there, just kind of stay close. Don leaned back and sucked in air through clenched teeth. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good idea. If you and I are standing together, every question is going to be about who will start, whether I've still got it, you know, stuff like that. The focus should be on you, not on a quarterback controversy. Masal will be with you, though. Don was right. At some point, there would be a quarterback controversy. When the Krakens lost, fans would be screaming for Don Pine to replace Quentin Barnes. It was just the way of things. Quentin didn't need to add fuel to that fire ahead of time. All right, Quentin said. Any final advice? Yes. Don't be yourself. Huh? Quentin, anyone ever tell you you're too intense? Quentin nodded. That's just someone's nice way of saying you're an overbearing jerk. Just relax. Answer the media's stupid questions. Don't say things like you think we'll win eight games and go to the playoffs. But we will win eight games, Quentin said. We will go to the playoffs. Don sighed and looked to the sky. He took a breath, then looked at Quentin again. Kid, remember all those times I gave you advice and you ignored it? Quentin looked down. He had done that, too many times. And every time Don turned out to be right. If Don thought Quentin was an overbearing jerk, well, then maybe Quentin was an overbearing jerk. Am I really that bad? In the locker room or on the practice field? No. You're exactly what you need to be. Outside of those places, you're a mouth machine that needs a new muffler. Quentin laughed. Don Pine had such a way of putting people at ease. This is part of our life, Quentin. Just get out there and be nice. Don patted Quentin on the shoulder twice, a manly go-get-em pat, then jogged out onto the field. Quentin watched him go watched the reporters recognize him and flock to him. Quentin waited another couple of minutes, then walked onto the field himself, Masal the efficient, just a step behind. As a kid, Quentin had watched church holos about Earth history. Most of those movies were about the persecution of the chosen people. Some of them even went back to medieval times. Holos like that were filled with heroic tales of those in service to High One. They were also full of swords, knives, spears, all kinds of pointy things designed to poke holes in bodies. As Quentin looked out at three dozen microphones jabbing toward his face, that was all he could think of. Too many sentients yelling at him all at once and all asking stupid questions. Quentin! A bleach-white human reporter from Tower shouted, 
Quentin, Harold Malorinick from Grinkus Newsnet. Do you think the Krakens will be relegated this year? Ah, uh, Quentin said, then paused, trying to channel his inner Donald Pine. Think before I speak. Quentin took a slow breath, then gave his answer. Our goal is to win every game. If we play hard, things will take care of themselves. Quentin! A Kretorakian civilian dressed in a fuchsia suit, perched on the shoulder of a smallish, fat key. I speak for Rondo Hall, Key Empire Sports Fest. Rumor is that Yasud Murphy isn't cutting it as your starting running back. Is that why the Krakens brought in Jay Martinez and Dan Campbell? Quentin started to talk, then stopped. Think first. He'd been about to say that Yasud needed to step it up in practice. Sood's performance thus far did not speak well for the season. But Don had told Quentin not to say anything bad about his teammates. Yasud is our starting running back, Quentin said. Martinez and Campbell practice hard. I know they'll contribute to the team. Quentin! shouted a voice from below, a Lee Key who had slithered between the legs of the other reporters. Kelpbringer from Lee Key Galaxy Times. Kelpbringer? Quentin said. That your real name? Rough translation. Why? You want to hear the real pronunciation? The Quith leader reporters took off running, while the human and heavy G reporters immediately started shaking their heads. But Quentin only noticed that after he'd already nodded. The streamlined, four-foot-long, black-striped blue sentient let out a five-second string of piercing noises that ranged from ear-splitting high notes down to lows that Quentin felt vibrate through his stomach in privates. It was an assault of sound. He winced and covered his ears, as did all the other humans and heavy G's. Okay, okay, Quentin said. <laughs> I think Kelbringer works just fine. It's like my favorite name of all time. The collection of reporters laughed. Quentin smiled. He'd made a joke, and they had laughed. Maybe this wouldn't be so bad after all. Quentin took an automatic step back. He saw something moving on Kelbringer's back. Several somethings. Spindly somethings. Uh, Kelpbringer, you got, you got something on your back there. Kelpbringer twisted his pointy head to look. The spindly things were right in front of his yellow eyes. What? He said. I don't see anything. Quentin pointed. Right there! Those buggy things crawling on you! There was a pause. Then a single laugh. Kelpbringer's stripes changed from black to an iridescent yellow, a color that just looked angry. Another human giggled, and then all the reporters started laughing. But this time, it wasn't because he'd said something funny. Quentin felt embarrassed. He didn't know what he'd said, but he knew it had been something stupid. Again, Those buggy things? Keltbringer said. What are you, some kind of racist? Quentin felt his face flush red just as fast as the leaky stripes had turned yellow. What? Racist? But I... and you... No, uh, uh, sorry? Those buggy things are my symbiotes. What is a symbiote? The clutch of reporters laughed even harder. Keltbringer's stripes changed from yellow to a neon orange. Are you mocking me, human? Quentin shook his head hard. No, I... Look, I have no idea what's going on here. You're the first leaky I've even seen in person. The laughter faded instantly. Keltbringer's orange stripes shifted back to yellow then to mostly black. You're serious? He said. You've never met my kind before? Sorry, no, Quentin said. No offense or whatever, but, uh, you know, where I come from, there's only humans. 
Quentin noticed that all the reporters were suddenly keying that information into palm-ups and message boards. Ah, Kelbringer said. Yes, you're from the purest nation. Fine. I will accept your apology, but only if you answer my question. Quentin nodded, grateful to put the embarrassing moment behind him. So my question is, how does it feel to start the season with a certain loss against the ISIS ice storm? A certain loss? Think before you speak. We are excited to play the ice storm. They are a quality organization. We'll practice and prepare and play as hard as we can. So you're predicting a win then, Keltbringer said. You are going on record saying the Krakens will win big against the ice storm by maybe three or four touchdowns, you think? Quentin hadn't said anything of the sort. What was this weird-looking sentient talking about? No, I didn't say that. That's not... Look, I'm not predicting anything. Quentin! A quith leader shouted. Apparently, the leaders had returned to the mix just as quickly as they left. Pigor the assuming UBS Sports. How do you feel about the assassination attempt on your life? Assassination attempt? Well, we don't know the guy was coming after me. Assuming he was, Pecor said. How does it feel to know eight police officers died to protect you? Quentin hadn't thought about it that way before. Uh, I... Microphones moved in closer, a phalanx of stabbing black points. Quentin, a reporter shouted, her voice drowning out the other dozen sentients screaming exactly the same name. Sarah Mazuba, Earth News Syndicate. Since someone is out to kill you, wouldn't it make more sense to start Don Pine so there's no team setback if the assassins strike again? The reporter switched from dead police to a quarterback controversy without missing a beat? What the hell was wrong with these sentients? Look, guys, Quentin said, I'm the starting QB, okay? And I don't feel comfortable marginalizing the loss of those police officers by discussing it here on media day for a football team. Doesn't anyone have questions about the Krakens? I do. Quentin looked left toward the source of the voice. When he saw her, everything else instantly faded away. Purple skin, much deeper and richer than the blue skin of Don Pine. Glossy, black eyelashes framed bright blue eyes, blue that popped thanks to artfully applied white eyeshadow. A perfect mouth shaped so thick and full that he immediately wondered what it would feel like to kiss it. Hair the color of snow, worn short but meticulously styled. She couldn't possibly be more beautiful. Yolanda Davenport, she said. Galaxy Sports Magazine. Quentin nodded, still unable to look away from her eyes. You, uh, you had a question about the Krakens? Sure do. I want to know how INS starting quarterback would feel if he saw himself on the cover of Galaxy Sports Magazine. Quentin just blinked. He felt stupefied by her looks, and yet she was dragging his brain from one promised land to another. The hallowed ground of the ultimate recognition of athletics, the cover of Galaxy Sports. Uh, Quentin said. He'd feel uh, amazing, I guess. She smiled. He'd been wrong. She could be more beautiful. Her thick, dark lips framed white teeth that blazed brighter than the yard lines. You guess? Well, that's not a very definitive answer. If the Kraken stay in Tier 1 next year, we might just have to find out. Quentin! Another reporter screamed. So loud, Quentin's head reactively snapped around to look. This one, a bat, fluttering in place, dressed in a lime green bodysuit with blue paisley trim. Canizzle! Cut a rocking information service! 
Now that you've played a year in the GFL, would you say you've stopped being a racist? Or is that still active? What? Regarding your hateful nature, which of your teammates would you most like to kill? They were baiting him, and he'd had just about enough. Look, you listen to me, you little piece of- And Elder Barnes' time is up! Quentin looked down to see Masal the efficient, who now stood between Quentin and the reporters, who had to tilt their microphones up and back to avoid poking them into Masal's one big eye. Thank you all for coming out, but Elder Barnes has several private interviews scheduled. Thank you! Quentin felt Masal pulling at his left hand, leading him back to the tunnel. Quentin entertained one final brief thought of ripping off the bat's wings and drop-kicking him through the goalpost, then let Masal lead him off the field. Reporters kept screaming his name, screaming asinine questions, but he ignored them. Was this what it would be like from now on? No. He had not yet played a single down of Tier 1 ball. Once the season began and the Krakens faced off against some of the best teams in the history of the sport, he knew things would get even worse. You have been listening to The Starter, Season 3 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Produced by Ariok Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.